it resulted in the three of us grown men having a coloring contest they had a amongst coloring the three of us. contest at Thanksgiving <laughs> because they were arguing over who could color the best. Right. And so they, they made us judge it. This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, this is episode six of the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel. I'm here with James and Corey. And this week on the Bless Up Podcast, we are going to talk about how you define winning. Now, I want to be clear what we are not about to say is that our individual definitions of winning are the right ones. Except for mine. <laughs> of course you think that, Pioneer. <laughs> uh, no, so what we, what we want to talk about is the different yardsticks for winning, the different things out there that tell you if you do X, Y, or Z, then you are winning um, versus some measuring sticks that we have come up with in our own life for how we have defined winning. And so as we are starting out, um, the first thing, first thing I want to put out there is when you have gone through various trainings, you guys are trained in so many things. You've got degrees in theology. You are leadership consultants. You've planted churches. You've launched conferences. There's so many different things that we at this table have done. Um, what are the things that you have been told in your life? If you do this, you're winning. But maybe it just didn't sit right with you and you had to buck up against that. Yes, so I can start here. Winning in the kind of church that I was a part of, no matter what anyone said, we tried to say things and create systems and words that pacified it and made it about people. But at the end of the day, it was more about like, people as a means to uh or people as a metric for like our personal success so it was like the success of a particular event was always like how many people came mm -hmm. the success of a particular year was always like okay like how many people did we baptize versus like are they still disciples of jesus or did we just baptize them Yep. It was more or less like, okay, like, did we make more money? And I mean that in the very trite, like, in the very trite way that I'm saying it. Like, did we make more money? Did our, did our budget grow? Did we like do well by the budget? Which stewardship is dope. We should all be good stewards of what God has given us. But at the end of the day, like, how much we have shouldn't be the metric. It should be like. Are we doing what God desires us to do with how much we have? So I would mm -hmm. say that, like, my first experience with winning that drew questions was, uh, yeah, was there. I remember, like, it was yesterday. My boss at the time, we had, like, a meeting with me, the homie, the homie Brummy. Big shout-out to Brummy. And, uh, and another person who was there on staff with us at that time in our youth uh, yeah, on our youth team, and we're talking about this, like, event that we had, and, like, we were so excited to launch, like, our Connect Youth Ministry, right? One word, Youth Ministries. Ignite. <laughs> connect. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we, we were launching Connect, and 
we had the Connect kickoff. So it was the Connect kickoff. And I remember, like, so vividly, me and Brummy were so geeked about this Connect kickoff. And, like, all these kids came. Like, it was super dope. And we were asked, like, we were asked in our meeting, like, our follow-up meeting with our boss, like, to name, like, good things about, like, that event and things we were most excited about. And I remember, like, I there was this kid. He was, like, I could tell he wasn't supposed to, like, he wasn't, like, a normal North Canton kid. Like, he didn't quite fit. And we had a conversation, and we had, like, some mutual connections, and we talked. And my big takeaway was, like, yo, I'm going to connect with this kid. Like, it was really cool. Like, got his number, like, we're going to connect, like, I'm inviting them to, like, my connect group. And uh, I just remember, like, our boss, like, chastised us. He was like, so how many kids came? And we were like, oh, I don't, I don't know. We didn't count. And, man, he, like, went at our necks. And I remember Brummy talked about, like, how well, like, the that the leaders felt, like, cared for and they felt like everything was explained well to them and they were able to move forward. That was his takeaway. My takeaway was, like, connecting with this kid. And, man, we got, like, like, he rebuked us for, like, not knowing how many kids were there. And, like, for the rest of my – it's, like, beating in me now. I always count how many people are in the room. And, like, I'm trying to, like, unlearn that. But because of that, like, it's this unspoken thing that I do without even, like, knowing it when I'm in rooms. If I'm, like, throwing an event, I'm like, all right, one, two – and I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing? Like, he's not my boss anymore. He's not going to rebuke me. But, like, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I did. I had to go through, like, when we when we planted Third Street, I had to genuinely go through, like, a numbers healing process mm-hmm. where I hated that I had to tell people on our hospitality team and stuff like that, like, hey, I need you to count how many people are here. I hated it. Like, in my heart, I was like, Ugh, I don't care how many people are in this room. Numbers, numbers are not what communicate reconciliation. Numbers are not what communicate transformed hearts. And I, I had to go through a genuine healing process to come to the terms of it's okay to count numbers. And But honestly, it took me until I want to say like year three to where I actually believed that like it's okay. And the the only thing that ended up redeeming counting for me was when I could point to trends so that we didn't waste communion setup. Like I was like, I was like, okay, I know that like this time of year we're going to be lower. We don't need to make as many trays. That way we don't have people pounding grape juice at the end. Cause we got people, you know, that, you know, there's all the different beliefs on it. And they're like, we can't pour out communion because it's, a, it's literally the blood of Christ. And I'm like, you know what? That's your belief. And that's okay. You drink that grape juice. Drink it up. So like, I, but that honestly, like that's, that is when numbers finally became redeeming to me to count is when I realized okay, we know the trends. We're only going to set up for this many because this is the trend in this time of year. But that I am 33 and we're in year four of our church plant and I entered ministry 11 years ago. It was a long process for me to hit like healing and counting numbers. And you know what? Like, I don't want to vilify like the idea of like counting numbers. No, I mean like, that. I mean Rachel just get that was a great example of how numbers can be helpful. Yeah, 
it's the it's the fourth Sunday of the year, which mean or the fourth Sunday of the month, which mean you know what I mean? Like there, I yeah, yeah like, like we know it, it it can be helpful. Yeah, it can be. But helpful. man, it can it can do a lot of damage. Do so much. Yeah, it can do so much damage. And I mean, even in our church planning process, like it's the it's the worst thing in the world for me because I I know exactly what people are saying. Here's what they do: they go, "Hey, how's the church going?" Yeah, and then I go. I, I mean, I it's think going it's great. going great. Like disciples are being made, and then they go, "How many people are showing?" Like yep. it's it's instantly the second. Yeah. It's yeah. like how many people are showing up, <clears throat> and then I'm like, like yeah, and it's like a war within me because I'm like, all right, we're connecting with all these people like outside of this and blah blah. But no, all they mean is like, how many people are sitting there on Sunday yep. morning? I think that's where it gets that's where it gets scary for me is when is when not as much like the the numerical measures for my own sake but when i start to consider what other people deem successful mm-hmm. or winning right so uh, like what i what i was going to say is um you know I, Ra- rachel you know she she's she's my wife she'll she'll attest to this i am one of the most competitive people that i know she will almost definitely, if we get into a conversation about like my competitiveness, she will almost definitely bring up a story from one of her first Thanksgivings oh, uh, with us as a family. Oh my gosh! I know See, exactly she what she you're already knows, about. right? Where where me and my two older brothers uh, got into uh, an argument over my ne- my nephew's coloring. Yeah, it resulted in the three of us grown men. Having a coloring contest, they had a coloring contest <laughs> at Thanksgiving because they were arguing over who could color the best. Right, and so they, they made us judge it. Yeah, like hundred percent, hundred percent, unbelievable. And then and then there was arguments over. Well, my sheet was harder than his, so mine should get judged. Exactly, all we didn't my. have the same sheets. We did. We didn't have the same sheets. But shout out to Sean. I hope you. Wa- I hope you listen to this podcast. <laughs> I know you won, Sean. <laughs> Um, but I think that I think that for me, like you know, so so I'm I'm very competitive. Uh, uh, competition is something that is that runs very deep inside of me, um, and so you know, for for me, the toughest measure that I had to get over, or or one of the time, one of the things that I think, even in my competitive nature, made me uncomfortable, was when people would ask me how we were doing or how what we were doing was going in comparison to other things similar in the city. Like I remember specifically being asked, like when I was talking about um, just this crazy, just this crazy surge that we were experiencing um, on, on Sunday mornings um, and in our uh, sports leagues. um, I remember being asked by somebody you know, well, what are, you know, what, what's, what's happening in the other, in the other churches and the other ministries in the city? Like, are you guys like bigger than them? Are you like, are you better than them? Like, are you getting more, you know, like more people than them? And I remember even as competitive as I am being so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with that question because like that, that shouldn't that shouldn't determine that shouldn't determine how well we're doing or that also shouldn't help me make decisions right like like that shouldn't that shouldn't be one of the first things that that we look at and um but again competition being deep in my nature i like i was uncomfortable but then i thought about it 
<laughs> and I was like, man, I mean, I guess, you know, like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, and, and, and that, like, that is something that I've had to recover from is beginning to, uh, determine wins by like looking over my shoulder in either direction and seeing what's going on elsewhere. And as long as it's at least a, it doesn't need to be the best, but as long as it's a little bit better than this over here, like I'm chilling that like that, that, that is something that had to be, had to be recovered from. Yeah. One of the things um, that I think has, has changed how I measure things uh, is that in my, my first years in ministry, all of my time was spent uh, leading mission teams. And I had, I had the hardest time um, when I had to do year end reports based on our mission teams. And I, and I didn't even have to do these reports um, because, because my bosses asked, it was because other people asked. And so I had to make these reports about things that happened during our trips over the year. And now sitting here all these years out, I actually, I, I can't even use the term mission trip. It drives me nuts. Um, I have the hardest time with it because mission in the way that we use it in the United States today, I feel like is so far removed from what it was initially intended to be. And um, and I would look at these numbers that I would have to report out at the ends of at the ends of the year and I'd say, but but do those people who went on that trip even remember that kid's name that is now in their default pick? Like if I go if I if I see them tomorrow, can they even tell me the name of the kid that they're piggybacking? So then what was the point of that trip? What was the point of anything that happened in that seven days? Mm-hmm. And and I had the hardest, hardest time with that. And and I would look at these, I would look at the the reports and I'd be like, this isn't winning. Yeah. This isn't this this is not the goal. And and knowing the people that I worked for, I also knew it wasn't their goal. And so it was like playing into a game that you had to play into to currently exist in the Christian culture of America. And that's it right there. Like, that's it right there is like we as Americans, like forget like everything else. Like we as Americans are obsessed about what we can quantify. Yes. Like obsessed with like, how do we count this? How do we measure this? And that has driven the value and the determination of good and bad within even the church in America or even Christian ministries, I should say in, in America. Like mm-hmm. that, that's where it comes from. It's like, yeah. we're obsessed with the quantifiable. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I, I remember, I remember if you want to go back to, uh, you know, t- 10 years ago when uh, the missional movement in, in the church mm-hmm. became something that was that was often talked to or it was picking up steam, you should say, you know, like missional communities and huddles and things like that. 
Um, and to be clear, like we, we still use that stuff. So this is not me. This is not yeah. me like locking in anyway. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like literally like we still I call them. I really models, like so. my missional community. Man, pra- yeah, like praise cool. God. Um, but when that was beginning to pick up steam, you know, 10 or more years ago, um, I remember, I remember particular people beginning to count how many people were in their huddles or their small groups or how many people were in their missional communities or their connect groups or community groups or whatever, whatever, uh, one word trendy thing you were calling it at the time. <laughs> Random action word verb. <laughs> Random action word verb. Shout out to Deuteronomy um, memes. <laughs> but I think that, um, and, and, and they were, sorry, they were beginning to count that and they were beginning to say things like use that as a measuring stick for how missional they were. Like we had 50 people show up to our missional community. So we're super missional. We're more missional than somebody who only had 10 people show up to their missional community. And, get out. and I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, like th- th- that, that seems backwards to me. Right. Like that, that seems backwards to me. And, um, yeah, I just remember thinking like that being such a pressure in church planning, like what you were saying is like, it's like, okay, well, if we're all at this table going to say that's not how you measure it, what, what do we do? You know? Yeah. And that form, yeah. I remember I used to, I was taught in the church that I was in, like, not explicitly, but implicitly, I was taught like, you know what? Quality is quantity like Mm. like quality is quantity but then like as i sought to like yeah live out the gospel in my neighborhood i was like nah nah like like all about all about quality yeah like forget about quantity and i think now like yeah i just look more to the jesus way it's both like it's yes it's it's just both like it's the radical both like the Jesus way is like Jesus sees the masses, but he sees the masses through a man. He doesn't see a man through the masses. So in John chapter six, like when the 5,000 men, 10 to 15,000 people are following Jesus because he just fed them all. And Jesus gives like this dope sermon. Uh, he gives a dope sermon and they all turn around and walk away. And then he says to like his disciples, are you going to leave too? And his disciples say, where else can we go? Where else will we go? You have the words of life. Mm-hmm. And the way of Jesus wasn't in that moment. His win wasn't the big crowd of people yes. following him. His win was investing in that small group of yep. 12 individuals who would eventually, yep. when filled with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the book of Acts, <clears throat> preach that good news. And then, wow, magically, the Bible has a logic to it. 5,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as a result of that. So with Jesus, he's seen the masses, yeah. but he's seen the masses through the vehicle of people. And I think it's seeing people, investing in people, and that being the win, because that's always the win yes. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's that's so that's so huge. And I wish, like... First, the, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay focused because there's two things I want to point out in what you just said. Number one, that being a win for, the, f- for Jesus and for the disciples. In all of the things that the disciples through the Gospels got wrong, that was one of the instances, one of the few instances where Jesus said, what about you? What are you going to do? Or, you know, like really what he's saying is like, do you understand? 
Like, are, are, are you are you comprehending? Are you tracking? Are you still coming along for this? And that was one of the few times where they got it right in saying, where would we go? You have the words of life. Like, where would we go? And the result of what you just said, found in the book of Acts, how much more important was that being a win ultimately than all of the losses the disciples took in the meantime like the wins are so those moments are so much more important but we're also in as obsessed as we are with numbers we're also obsessed with loss like we're also obsessed with the l's that the disciples i'm guilty of in my preaching we did a whole sermon series on peter earlier this year and i continuously made jokes of all the ways that like peter got in his own way because we're obsessed. We're obsessed with, with people losing, with, with the loss. But look at the impact in the few wins that were gained. Look at the impact of those things. That was the, that, that was the first thing that, that I wanted to point out. The second thing that I wanted to point out is how often Jesus didn't win the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, we're obsessed with like numbers and, and using that as our measuring stick. How often did Jesus win the, the overwhelming masses of people? I'm I'm gonna be real. Maybe I'm a bad pastor for this. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Uh, the masses crucified. Like the, the masses crucified. crucified him. Ooh, Christians love to crucify. Like man, <laughs> like, like like the masses crucified. The crowd crucified. The crowd mm-hmm. booed. The crowd hissed. The crowd tried to throw him off a cliff. The crowd turned and ran the other way. The crowd was just trying to get the food and the money. They wasn't trying to get the transformation. That's what the crowd did, but so often we're chasing the crowd. Man. And like, so often at the expense. At the expense of, of, the of, of the 12 pagan idiots that, that are just kind of there because I don't know why. Where else would I go? At the expense of them, we'll chase the crowd. Man, going back to the missional community thing, I would take... For me, success, like winning, I would take your missional community of 10 people who don't know Jesus over the overcrowded missional community of 70, 80, 90 people that were there because that weekend our missional community is giving away an iPhone. You see wow. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's success. There were people who don't know Jesus but were attracted to come anyway. As opposed to, you know, what, whatever, whatever got the crowd there. That's that's success. Mm-hmm. That's a win. That was huge. And one of the things, um, one of the things that's big for me on knowing a win, um, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm hitting a win if I have successfully been able to identify the plant. You know I love a good gardening metaphor. Here we go. So Uh. when you successfully identified the plant, then you know what is the win. You can't can't plant tomatoes and prune them like they're roses. (laughs) You can't do that. If you want to grow a tomato plant, you gotta you gotta know when to transfer that tomato plant from a pot to the soil. You got to know what kind of tomato it is. Does it need a cage around it or does it need does it need a trellis behind it to climb? You got to know what kind of sunlight that tomato needs. You got to know what color tomatoes they are. Are they yellow tomatoes or do you got to leave them on the vine until they're red? You got to identify 
the plant. If you can't identify what the plant is, then you don't know what a win is for that plant. When you look at a rose bush, you can't judge it by all the flowers you see on the inside. You got to know if you successfully pruned the outside of the plant so that you are growing the healthiest version of that rose. A Chicago peace rose is not going to grow the same way that that mini roses are that, that we have at our house, how they get tons and tons and tons of mini blossoms. Mini blossoms might not be he- be healthy on another plant. You have to identify the plant so that you know how to raise it, so that you know how to prune it, so that you know how to multiply it. I don't want to give somebody offshoots of a strawberry plant that aren't healthy I'm not going to give James strawberries from our patch when when they're it's an unhealthy plant because then he's going to plant them and they're going to die. You know what I mean? And you got to figure out what what it is. is it is it a plant where you need both male and female flowers so that it can germinate? Am I going to give you a holly bush, but I only gave you a female one, and now you're never going to get holly berries because you need two. Like you got to know what the plant is so that you know how to transplant it, how to take care of it, how to nurture it, and how to get that to a healthy plant. If you can't identify what something is, then you have no business forcing a model on it that is not for that plant. What is it that Grandpa Dan said to you about identify the size of the dog? Yeah, he said. I, I was actually just thinking about that. I was shout out to shout out to Grandpa Dan, uh, Dan Sutherland in, in uh, Kansas City. Um, I, I was I was sitting at a B Dubs uh, with him one time, and uh, and I remember you know him saying to me. I, I asked him a question about you know he's planted multiple churches and um, you know and and numerically. It seems as if they've grown really, really well, and so I, you know, I asked him the typical question of like, "Dude, you've planted all these things, and they've all gotten really, really big. Like, what's up with that? Like, what happened?" And I remember him telling me, um, "You know, he said, he said, did you ever breed dogs? No, dude, I never, <laughs> I never dogs. bred dogs. So <laughs> he's, he's like, well, he's like, do you know how you determine the health of a dog? And I was like, no." He's like the health of a dog is determined, you know, by its by its size in relation to its breed. So for example, you don't want a 500 pounds chihuahua. That's, you know, that's not a healthy chihuahua, right? Like but you also don't want a 20 pound German shepherd. Uh, I hope that the I hope that the, I don't know. Yeah, no, but, you're good. You're okay, good. <laughs> okay, okay. He's like, you know, so he's he's like your, you know, your your mark of 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 health is, you know, he's kind of saying winning in another way. He would say at health, like your mark of health is becoming the right size. Mm-hmm. Like what is the right size? Not every church or ministry is going to impact thousands of people. Um, and, you know, the, the, the measure shouldn't be, shouldn't be trying to become the fattest or the biggest because that's what it is most often uh, in America it's becoming the biggest, the fastest, the the fattest. Um, he says it should be. You should determine the breed, and then become the right size. Yeah. yeah. And you know that's always that's always stuck with me. I think um, for me when I talk when I think about how to determine where where winning comes from, 
first of all, we have to recognize, we have to pause and recognize that winning comes from the Lord, Mm -hmm. not by any, not by any work or, um, labor that we can do on our own. Um, but John 15 tells us apart from me, you can't do anything. Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Abide in me, stick with me, work with me, stay, stay connected to me and you will bear much fruit, not work your tail off or preach the dopest sermon Mm -hmm. or have the best sports league or, you know, be the most culturally relevant or stay up on all the trends or get yourself on preachers and sneakers or et cetera. It's abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And so I have to start there in that like success, winning victory comes from Jesus And so for me, determining what that is for us, because you do, it is important to define, to define wins and to to have clear goals. That is important. Um, For me, it has to begin with a prayerful disposition. It has to begin with me sitting down and asking the Lord, what is it that you would have us do? What is it that you would have us work towards? And defining our goals and expectations based on what we hear back for that. Yeah, man. I think also, when I think about Jesus, something that's so interesting, and especially in the climate, like the ultra-polarized climate that we're in now, what's so interesting to me about Jesus is that Jesus is going to be, like, too liberal for the Pharisees He's going to be too conservative for the zealots. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is going to have in his clique, in his 12, Simon, and he's going to have Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. Simon is a zealot. Simon would have wanted to, in any other instance, kill, literally kill Matthew. Mm -hmm. The church is the only space that they can have meaningful interaction. The kingdom of God is just something different. It's It's just something... It's something different. Like, you can't put your finger on it. It's it's the burning bush. It's a bush that's on fire that's not being consumed. You can't you can't put your hands on it or fully wrap your mind around it, but you see it and you're changed because of it. I, man, I just think when we talk about like winning, I think it would behoove us as the church to like sometimes like look at our situations and say, man. Even though it seems like from the world's perspective that I'm losing, man, his power is made perfect in my weakness. Maybe this weakness is not something I should run away from, but something I should lean into. Maybe because this looks different and it doesn't look like winning in the way that the world would see winning. Maybe I'm on this. Like, maybe I'm on to something. I think it would behoove us to really like look to the scriptures and let our winning be defined by that. Because I don't know, man. I, I don't know if in America, like, Paul getting beat up and kicked out of cities <laughs> and shipwrecked and all that good stuff would be seen as, like, winning or success in ministry. Man, there's church planters around the table. Uh, when Jesus ascended into heaven, it said there was around 125 people in the upper room. Goodness, after three years, that kind of seems like a church plant failure. Yikes. <laughs> Oof. 
that's the church of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. Wow. Right? I don't, yeah. I, wow. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe we should <laughs> take more cues on our metrics from from the text versus, uh, I'll just leave it there, the text. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so for you guys practically right now in Akron, uh, 2020 was a heck of a year. Um, 2021, we have, we have hope for. Um, how are you guys right now in real time? Like, how have you defined winning? Are you guys winning? And how, how are, moving forward are you, are you expecting to define winning? Yeah, we, we, so 2018, moving into 2019, mm-hmm. we kind of like revisited like who we wanted to be and the direction we wanted to go in. And we have these like, yeah, we have these values. And we said these are things that we want to embody in our neighborhood. And if we are embodying these things, mm-hmm. then we are winning. Like yeah. if we as a collective community are embodying these things, then we are winning. And you said it, those vi- the values that we have, like being a welcoming church, being a unified church, being a neighborhood church, these are things that came to us like through prayer, through like listening prayer, through listening to our neighborhood, through like, yeah, through deep prayer, like that prayerful disposition hopefully is going to lead to like powerful demonstration of what the spirit was laying on our hearts. But yeah. So for us, like our win is like faithfulness to what God was like laying on our heart, like faithfulness over fruitfulness every time. And evidence, evidence, Evid- evidence of that being there. Yeah. Fruitful, spiritual evidence, spiritual evidence yeah. of those values being met. Yeah. That's how we'll measure our win. Yeah. I can't, I can't even begin to, to list all of the friends we have personally had in ministry and the people that have become known on a, on a public, more public national platform that, you know, were either, either crashed uh, or died because of the way that they either personally or their culture define success and having it be this super superficial, you know, superficial, barely attainable mark that doesn't necessarily indicate spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Like there isn't necessarily spiritual evidence of there being godly fruit, but it's marketable and it's growing in bodies. And I don't want, I personally don't want anyone who's connected to us and obviously listening to this now to fall into that trap of having your goals or your measures of success or winning uh, be determined A, by numbers. And B, um, by somebody who isn't named Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that trap leads to death. Yeah, I think um, to answer your question as an individual and not as a 
church leader, but just as a person. I think if I'm sitting in this chair or a similar one (laughs) at the end of 2021, and I can in good faith and honesty say I invested my talents instead of burying them. Hmm. That was a win. If I am winning for you in 2021. Yeah. If I invested my talents instead of burying them, then that is a win. And sometimes investing your talents, it like it's risky and sometimes it looks like failure because to invest, you got to put yourself out there and you got to figure out, did I invest it well? You know, some investments end up a flop. Um, but did I try? If I can sit in this chair at, in December 2021 and tell you that I invested my talents instead of burying them, then I'm going to call that a win. I think a win for me, a win for me this year um, is being able to confidently say, dang, even this is like numerically measurable, <laughs> but being able to say, um, I said more positive things mm-hmm. than cynical or negative ones. That's a good one. One of the things that's marked down for me is uh, a prayer that I have, a uh, conversation that that me and God have been having lately is, <clears throat> I want to this year be delivered from my cynicism. And so a win for me this year is saying more positive things than negative or cynical ones. And the reason that I believe that is a win is because I know that my speech is based in my spirituality because that's the way that God uses me. God uses me in a lot of instances to to speak or as or as a mouthpiece. So if the things coming out of my mouth are cynical, negative and challenging not in a biblical way, I know that my like my spirit is off and I'm operating outside of the bounds of Christ. But when the things coming out of my mouth are positive and they're fruitful and they're uplifting and they're edifying to the body of Jesus, that means I have stayed within the bounds of Christ. And I, my goal is to spend more time doing the will of God and less time doing the will of Corey. And I think one of the evidences that I've done that is found in my speech. I'll say for me, like in 2021, a win for me will be the Black Panther movie. Yeah. T'Challa. Well, T'Challa and... Uh, <coughs> And Michael B. Jordan's character both go to the ancestral plane as they're the Black Panther. When they go to the ancestral plane, like they hear from the ancestors and they like go there to like gain direction. Yeah. For me, it's to have time to like really stop and to really invest in, yeah, to really invest in my spiritual life. So it's gonna be like stopping, a rhythm of stopping, a rhythm of Sabbathing rhythm of yeah taking breaks so when you see me i can actually like have something from the lord and not just be doing the process of exegesis <laughs> yeah amen all right so if you heard nothing else in the last however many minutes uh i hope you hear this winning is a bar that you set to be successful and to win it's something that comes it comes from conviction from the Lord. It does not come from, uh, you know, five-step processes that you read. It doesn't come from, uh, it doesn't come from expectations of your culture. Winning is a bar that you set from your convictions from 
the Lord. It's something that is found in scripture, not something that is found on a stage, in a budget, in line items, uh, in, in numerical reports that you have to send out. It's a conviction between you and Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you can find peace um, as you move forward in 2021 um, and what it looks like for you to have a personal and professional uh, win this year. Bless up.